Well, good morning. Let's go to Mark chapter 9, and we are finishing chapter 9 today. We're putting chapter 9 to bed. We've been going verse by verse through it. It's still in your Bible, so you can go back and re- reference it. But God has a great message today. I'm talking about salt and fire. Salt and fire. Lately, you cannot start a conversation or start a sermon, for that matter, without referencing the weather. Everybody's complaining about how cold it is and how long winter has been. So I'm wondering if you're dreaming of warmer weather today. And so I don't know what ladies dream of. Maybe in the first service they said flip-flops or sandals, right? What else are you dreaming of, ladies, with warmer weather? What's that? Flowers? They said that in the first service, too. That must be universal. I see heads nodding. What else are you dreaming of, ladies? Swimming, okay? Anything else to help us get collective wisdom for the male gender? Well, guys, we don't have many, many dreams about warmer weather, but... This is the kind of stuff we dream of. Getting the grill out. Man food right there, right? So it won't be long before we'll start grilling out. And guys are really funny about grilling. I mean, guys are very protective of their grill. Men are very protective of their position in the family as the grill master. And here's the interesting thing about men and their grills. Men don't remember details. They don't remember what their wife wants them to pick up from the store on the way home from work. Men don't remember significant dates, a.k.a. anniversaries and birthdays and things of that nature. Men just aren't really into details, except when it comes to marinating the meat they're going to put on the grill. Guys, you have your secret sauces, and you know exactly how much to put the the sauce on and how much spice and your secret recipe. And it's just amazing that when guys want to remember details like marinating some chicken or getting some hamburger ready, they will never forget that, right? Are we a little bit guilty here? I can see guilt on your face, gentlemen. So that is part of, of what we do as guys. We prepare We prepare the grill. We prepare the food for the grill. Because the truth is this, you know this, is that meat by itself isn't very tasty. I mean, it has to have some seasoning. And this has always been the case. That's why when Jesus shared what what is kind of a hard scripture at first to understand, uh, the the people of of Jesus' days understood salt was necessary to not only preserve meat, but for meat to taste good and to effective, be effective. So let's look at the scripture, Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 49. Jesus said these words, For everyone will be salted with fire. That's a very unusual phrase, but commentaries and theologians have all agreed that when the people heard this the first time, they were thinking about, Sacrifice and meat and grains would be sacrificed to the Lord. And these sacrifices would be salted before the fire consumed them. So here's a phrase that 
is cumbersome for us, but for those who heard it the first time, they clearly connected it with sacrificial worship. The worship of the Old Testament, including giving a tangible gift, meat or grain. And salt was an important part of that sacrifice. We're going to see that today. So everyone will be salted with fire. We go on to read. Salt is good, but if the salt should lose its flavor, how can you make it salty? Now, as I've read the scripture in other gospels too, I've always thought this was just a theoretic kind of deep question, deep thoughts by Jesus. If a salt is not salty again, how can you make it salty? But studying the historical context, there's some more meaning to this that we wouldn't understand because salt is very much available for us and it's not very expensive. You can go to one of the grocery stores and and, and get salt. You can probably find some salt in the CIL kitchen right back there. We have all kinds of salt packs that have been multiplying over the years, right? Salt just is everywhere. But in this context, salt was hard to get. And most of the salt of Palestine, or the area, Jerusalem, Judea, Nazarene, came from the Dead Sea. The problem is, because the salt wasn't very strong and wasn't very effective, it had to be combined with other minerals. So literally what could happen is, the salt could seep out and separate from the minerals, and then much to the chagrin of the person who was eating or using it for another purpose, the salt could lose its saltiness, could lose its effectiveness. This was not just a theory, this was a probability. That this no doubt happened to people who heard these words that Jesus said out loud. And, and they had been there before where they had used salt to flavor their food and the salt had lost its saltiness. So, reading again, for everyone will be salted with fire. That's a sacrifice. Salt is good, but if the salt should lose its flavor, how can you make it salty? Now, here's the application. Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. That's the application, and we'll get to that today. But I, I want you to understand that sacrifice in worship is, is a foreign concept to most of us. The idea that an actual sacrifice would happen in worship, and that was Old Testament worship. Now in the New Covenant, there was one sacrifice, and that was Jesus Christ. And he is the only payment for sin. I mean, he paid for sin, and he paid for our sin. And he was the substitute for, for the punishment we should receive. And so we praise him for that. And that's why we've sung about him that's why we'll celebrate communion later on in today's service. But beyond our salvation, I mean, Jesus settles that. He paid the price for our salvation. But there is a call to righteousness, and there's a call to holiness, and there's a call to morality that can be equated with the worship sacrifices that happen in the Old Testament. And Romans 12.1, it's, it's a scripture that... Preachers, we love to preach the scripture because it's really self-descriptive. But it's so powerful. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Therefore, this is Paul now saying, Brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. 
This is your spiritual worship. This was a concept that the people understood. That even though I, as a believer, I'm breathing and I'm living and I'm going to work and, and I'm coaching my my children's little league ball teams and I'm volunteering at the church and I'm hanging out with my neighbors and I'm mowing my yard or whatever the case is, even though I'm doing all these activities, I'm living, I'm an organism that's breathing and that's functioning. At the same time, I'm sacrificing. I'm laying my life down on the altar and I'm allowing God to consume me, to spend me. It's not my money. It's not my occupation. It's not my talent. It's not my family. It's, it's, being laid down on the altar, and even though I'm living, I'm a living sacrifice. God's consuming me, and, and he's, he's using me, and it's the greatest, greatest privilege I have. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing when God does that. This same thing continues in Romans, in Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, starting with... Verse 15, nevertheless, I have written to remind you more boldly on some points because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. So Paul said, hey, I'm called to the Gentiles. That's my calling. And this is what he does. Serving as a priest of God's good news. My purpose is that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. This idea that in the past, what we sacrificed to God was an animal or meat or a grain or vegetables or produce or something like that. But now the sacrifice to God is much bigger. The sacrifice to God is us. I mean, we're laying it all down. We're laying it down to say, God, we're going to spend our lives on you. We're going to spend our lives serving you. And then as a faith community... I mean, that's what we want to be. We, we want to please the Lord. We want to be pleasing to the Lord and say, God, this faith community here, this, we call ourselves the church of Indian Lake, but we're really just Jesus people serving you. And, and we're laying it all down on the altar. Consume us, God. Consume us, God. Spend us, God. Use our time. Use our, your building. Use this property. Use our relationships. Use our 242 time. Use our want. Use our friendship. Use our service. God is on your altar. And we're laying it down. And, and here's, the, here's the important part. We want to please the Lord. We want to please the Lord. We, we don't want to be... We don't want to be a, a, like spoiled meat. Just the leftovers. The undesirable sacrifice. We, we want to be pleasing to the Lord. We, we want to give God our best. We want to give God the best that we have. And here's, here's the interesting thing about the old sacrifice is that God called the people to salt the sacrifice before it burned. It, it was like a, it was a way they were consumed. They, they were spending themselves. You would think that if you were going to give a piece of meat to be sacrificed, you wouldn't salt it, right? You, why waste the salt? Because salt was very valuable. But God said, no, I, I want you to salt. Let me give you a little bit of the history of salt. You were all waiting for this, weren't you? You're so glad you came to church today. Let my inner history teacher come out. But 
it will also give you some context of why this is valuable. Anthropologists, they believe that salt really impacted the world. Because what happened is this. Animals used to go to salt licks. So they created pathways to get to those salt licks. So men, we're really smart, mankind, humans. We decided the animals have cleared the way. So let's make that pathway something known as a road. And these natural pathways became roads. So now that roads were established, what happens along the road? Settlements happen. So villages formed and groups of people formed. And then after that, mankind quit eating as much meat. We begin to eat grains. And so now we're not getting as much salt from the meat. So we have to find salt. And salt becomes an important, uh, important commodity. It's important for taste. It's important for preserving things. It's important for medicinal reasons. In the Roman Empire, they actually paid part of their payment to soldiers was in salt. That's where the phrase came from. He's not worth his salt. He's not worth his payment. So here it is that salt 